Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsudliff.com. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sadaf Lodi, and today we have with us Dr. Kesperson, the amazing Dr. Kesperson, who's a urologist in Seattle, outside of Seattle. And this episode is everything you need to know about premature ejaculation. But before I get into it, the first thing I want you to know is that I'm not giving any type of religious or medical advice. So if you have any concerns about your health, please speak with your medical provider. And if you have any questions about your religion, please ask your friendly neighborhood religious leader. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman who talks about sex. So hello again, Dr. Kesperson. So excited to have you on and to discuss this important topic. So I'll let you go ahead and get into it. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about premature ejaculation and kind of what the incidence is and all that good stuff. Yeah. So premature ejaculation, it's its funny because in order to study something, you have to define it, right? So it's like, how do you define premature ejaculation? And kind of the, the general definition is intravaginal latency, right? So the amount of time that you're in a vagina, again, this is very heteronormative ways to describe what the penis is doing, but stereotypically that it's in the vagina and it's not in there long enough to have a satisfying sexual event for both parties. It's kind of like an overgeneralized. Now, truthfully, there are non-heterosexual people who also have premature ejaculation, but that's kind of the way it was defined. And in order to research it, they have to pick a time. So what sort of time do you pick to say that mm-hmm. two that's too short and above that's just perfect, right? And so most studies are going to say intravaginal latency less than a minute. I've seen some say intravaginal latency less than two minutes. So basically sex didn't last long enough before you had an orgasm or an ejaculation. Um, Now, where we've kind of gone wrong is not understanding, well, what's a normal intravaginal latency period to begin with, right? And we watch a lot of people will watch videos and porn and see people and kind of hear like, oh, yeah, we we were doing it for an hour, an hour and a half all night long. You know, you hear these stories of like three hours we had sex and people start to think that that's normal. Right. But if you take the sex researchers and they actually say like, hey, from start to finish in a vagina, how long does the average man take to ejaculate? You're looking at about three to five minutes, four to seven minutes. Like that's it. Right. So I want to kind of normalize like longer isn't better and longer isn't even normal. Um, to begin with, because we're not trying to like get people the last 40 minutes. And I would say the average vagina owner, it starts to hurt after a while also. Right. Um, And so like making it comfortable for everybody, but really too short, not being in the vagina enough to have it be pleasurable for both partners is the definition of premature ejaculation. More than you wanted to know, but there you go. Yeah, that's, I'm glad you did that. And I'm glad you clarified what that meant. So what, what do you think the incidence of that is? I mean, it's difficult to study, right? Because it's getting people to admit that there's something incredibly like shameful and broken and and just a lot of self-judgment on people. So it's difficult to study. You're going to see different ranges. Ballpark, I've seen like three to six percent of the population, um, Mm. which I, you know, I think is pretty high, right? Six percent. That's not, not 
teeny. Um, but right. a lot of experts will say that's actually underreporting. So it's probably sure. it's probably higher than that. Right, right. And what do you think contributes to that? Like, are there any physiologic conditions that may lead to that? Yeah, I mean, so the, the researchers will say there's kind of two types, right? There's lifelong, like ever since I was sexually active, this is just how my body's behaved. And then there's with this specific partner, this is how my body behaves. But previous partners, it, it was not a problem. So they kind of break it down into like it always being there or it's new with a partner. Doctors, as you know, we tend to think very body, body separate from the mind, right? Which probably hurts us more than helps us. But we're very body centric. We're like, what's wrong with the penis? What's wrong with the pump? What's wrong with the nerves? Should we dull the penis? So they'll do things like lidocaine jelly. They'll actually give, there's no FDA approved medication for premature ejaculation on the market. But what people will use is they'll use drugs that have a side effect of delayed ejaculation. So you're actually giving a drug to try to delay or prolong the ejaculation, which for other people on the drug, they're super annoyed by, right? But we're like, yeah. we're actually trying to give you the side effect. And so those tend to be uh, SSRIs or antidepressants are kind of common ones. They'll use like a really short acting SSRI or an on-demand SSRI to try to give you that on-demand delayed ejaculation. And again, it's the same thing that happened with Viagra. Like once Viagra came on the market, we forgot that the brain played a role in erections. And I would say the average urologist does not refer to sex therapists for these conditions. But certainly there's a big role for sex therapists in both erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation in figuring out, is this, a, is this anxiety? Is it performance anxiety? Is it you know, a feeling of, of being in a hurry or a feeling of I'm out of control, I can't control this? And a lot of what the sex coaches and sex therapists will work on is techniques, so stimulation stimulation stop, stimulation stop, kind of like an exposure back off, exposure back off to try to build the endurance to a, a longer intravaginal latency. So certainly there's a role of the body, there's a role of the mind. Hmm. So again, somewhat similar to what um, you had talked about before was the mindfulness. I guess that plays into this a lot as well then, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's where, you know, working with the partner and working, you know, because you it, it'd be weird to just try to pull these techniques on somebody, <laughs> right? Of like, hey, we're going to do this together. I fully support you. I love you no matter what. Be, and working in a again like mindfulness, a non judgmental arena of like, let's see what happens when we try this. Let's be curious about trying this. You know, instead of like judging it of like it's got to work this time or else. Like it's too much. It's too much pressure, and it really takes the joy and fun out of sex. And I think if we always go back to like sex is supposed to be joyful and feel good and pleasurable. Like it's not just a to-do list, you know, series of ex exercises to accomplish in your week of like remember what this is supposed to be for and work as a team. Will always get you farther than judgment and you know negative thoughts like that. Sure, sure. And so you had mentioned a little bit before about the psychological causes, and you mentioned depression. Any other psychological or neurologic causes that might result in this? You know, I off the top of my head, I can't think of any other like underlying disease states. It it tends to be more like anxiety or performance anxiety, mm -hmm. things like that. And then some people that that's the way their body's made, like that's how they've always have been. And again, going back to that heteronormative view of what sex is, 
is if you don't expand, you know, pleasure for your partner or pleasure for yourself outside of the situation that makes you have an ejaculation really fast, it might not be as enjoyable as, hey, let's spend some time outside the vagina. Let's spend some time focusing on her pleasure. Let's do things that make me feel good, but don't result in an orgasm right away. Really being curious about intimacy and sex outside of that very narrow penis and vagina paradigm that has kind of been spoon fed to us from the beginning. Sure. Sure, I guess. And you had talked about this on your other podcast is that communication being so important in a relationship, right? And to expand our, our knowledge and what intimacy means to us so that there are other options, right? And going back to your book, that you are not broken if this happens. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, a podcast that a lot of people like is I did it a while ago now. It's like your partner is not broken. Mm. And I, I mean, I think again, I'm gender stereotyping, but it's like women are, we're pretty harsh on our partners sometimes. You know, you need to be perfect. You need to do this better. I'm going to critique you over here. Truthfully, I think a lot of that comes from women feeling judged a lot in our society, right? Like we're not perfect. So we want to help other people be perfect because. Of course, that's that's what we've been told. So I do see a lot of that. Again, I don't think that directly leads to premature ejaculation, but certainly coming to a sexual problem with more of a, a loving and understanding and curiosity and compassion is going to get you a lot farther than being like, you just need to fix that. You know, that kind of judgment right. that, that doesn't go well. Right, right. Um, and so are there any other biologic factors? Uh, any hormone levels or brain chemicals or anything like that that may inflammation or infection that may result in something like this? No. And again, I think par probably part of the problem is just the, the paucity of research. You know, studying sexual function in America is actually very challenging. There's not a lot of funding that goes towards that. A lot of this, a lot of the good sex research is in Canada. Canada supports that a lot better. But certainly we've got way more knowledge of erectile dysfunction than premature ejaculation. I'd say premature ejaculation is kind of like the, the cousin who gets ignored all the time. But we, yeah, we don't have a lot, you know, and, and to show we don't have a lot of medications to help. We don't have enough sex therapists to help, you know, all this stuff. So I think couples are really are left in the dark. So it's through people like you who are like, understand that this is a common thing that couples struggle with to help normalize the conversation and to be like, no, 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 this is a thing. We might not know a lot about it, but it's certainly a thing. Right. Right. Um, and are there any complications that may occur if that you have untreated premature ejaculation? Breakups. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's not, it's not uh, physically dangerous. Yeah. For, for yourself. You know, it, it, people, again, this is getting into the like historical theorizing, like, well, is there an evolutionary advantage to having premature ejaculation? Like, why does it exist even? And that's, yeah. that's for people much smarter than me, but it's, it's fun to think about. Yeah. And you mentioned a little bit about treatment for premature ejaculation. You said it kind of happened as a side effect. You mentioned the antidepressants, SSRIs, anything else that, and you mentioned also lidocaine gel. How does that, how yeah, does that so you, work? Well, if you just numb the sensations to the penis, it's going to take mm -hmm. more, more activity to get to an orgasm, right? Now, what usually happens is the female ends up getting numbed too, right? Unless you're going to wear a condom, but even just wearing a condom itself can be numbing, right? To help basically dull the sensations going to the brain. Right. But most right. most couples don't love that. 
Um, yeah. It's it's again, it's an option. But I think if you truly want to, if you can, you know, air quote cure it, would be working on communication, the sexual script, sex coaching, sex therapists, really understanding people's bodies, um, and then doing fi- figuring out what works for you as a couple. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just about to ask you that and you kind of stole my thunder. I was just going to ask you what uh, what key takeaways would you tell somebody that may be experiencing this, you know, how can they get help, who should they approach, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I want to tell people is like you're you're not alone. It's actually pretty darn common. Um, it's normal to have a feeling of inadequacy and shame. Like everything that's coming up is a normal processing of of having anything wrong with our body, right? Um, certainly, I think sex therapists and coaches really can help in dealing with the psychological component of it. The sex therapists are the ones who are really trained as far as like techniques and feedback and how that work. Um, They're the ones who are trained in actually walking a couple through those sort of techniques. Barry McCarthy, again, rekindling desire, great for sexless marriages. And he talks a lot about premature ejaculation and erectile dysfunction in that book. So I think it's a great resources for couples who have found that all of the intimacy has gone away because of the problem with the penis. Sure, sure. It's amazing. And of course, you know, we wouldn't be complete without you telling us a little bit about your book and how people can purchase your book and where they can get it. Yeah, the book's called You Are Not Broken. Stop shitting all over your sex life. There's actually a chapter in there about the male bits, the male parts. Um, So it's really for all genders to understand all body parts um, because you got to know what you're working with and playing and understanding it on a better level, right? So certainly it's for men who want to understand their female partners, but it's it's also for any gender and any sexual orientation, just to understand the sexuality, which is an inherent in all of us, but we kind of have to uncover all of these layers of shame in society and you know silence that have kind of added the undue burden on top of our sexuality. So find it on Amazon. It's an ebook, paperback, hardcover. Audiobook will be out later this year because I still have to record that in Seattle. Awesome. And um, of course, your Instagram handle and your TikTok handles, if you could just let us know. Yeah, the Instagram is Kelly Casperson MD. And I'm pretty sure TikTok's the same. I'm not a huge TikTok fan, but I think I set it up the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the website's kellycaspersonmd.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for speaking to us and letting our listeners know about premature ejaculation. And if our listeners missed the other podcasts that we had about erectile dysfunction that is also available on the Muslim Sex Podcast. And I think we are done here. So it's been real and really intimate. And remember, this is not meant to be any medical advice. So if you're having any problems with either premature ejaculation or erectile dysfunction, please see your healthcare provider for any concerns you may have. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsadaf.com. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast.